The Minnesota Wild picked up yet another win, this time 4-1 to one over the Detroit Red Wings. We break down all the action on tonight's Locked on Wild postcast. You are Locked on Wild postcast, part of Locked on Sports Minnesota, your team every day. Minnesota Wild pick up a 4-1 win over the Detroit Red Wings to improve to 16-11-2 on the season. And welcome into tonight's Locked on Wild postcast. Seth Topol joined by Kevin Gorg, breaking down all the action tonight. And Kevin, it's a beat-up Detroit team. They were coming off of a game last night in which they got beat up against the Carolina Hurricanes. And the Wild really had no problem kind of trying to match that physicality. Man, Ryan Reeves had himself a night. Yeah, game number 10 uh, in his time with the Wild, and I thought he made a giant impact on this game. The, the big hit, they really got things going. Another big hit, a fight. And you can just kind of feel his presence, not just on the ice, but on the bench, in the locker room. This guy's already beloved. I'm telling you, his teammates adore him. And that, that trip we had out, out west uh, through Alberta last week gave him a little extra time to get to know his teammates. And they feel a little taller for sure, but his personality is one of those that I think really just energizes a locker room. And it was a big part of the game that because Detroit now already shorthanded, lost a couple of guys within the game. They were clean hits, but now you're spending a lot of energy chasing 75 around. And I thought for a while there really got Minnesota into a real position of power in this game. There were a lot of uh, power play opportunities on both sides, which led to a lot of special teams play. We saw a goal from uh, that second power play unit, courtesy of Freddie Goudreau. And if that second unit can kind of get things going here to match power play one, that's going to make this power play even more dangerous than it already is. Yeah, and you're seeing Dean Evison show a little more confidence in that second group too because on some nights we've seen power play number one be out there for 90-plus seconds. So by the time those guys get out there, you're looking at 25, 30 seconds, really hard to get established. And now you're seeing them – get a good chunk where they're getting uh, a minute and change sometimes in that sequence. And it's a completely different looking power play. And to your point, if both are going, it's going to be very difficult for teams to kill the same way against the Minnesota power play. And you've got the speed and savvy of the Zuccarello Kaprizov combo. And then you've got the size and the get the puck mentality of that second grouping. And Freddie Gaudreau did just that. He got the puck in the slot sense that there was traffic, which there always seems to be with those big bodies out there and took advantage of a goaltender that was certainly uh, having his vision impaired. Uh, Philip Gustafson, again, was uh, was rock solid tonight. And you look at that one goal that he gave up, and I didn't see it at first, but when they went to the replay and showed John Merrill's stick getting caught in the net, that prevented him from being able to clear the puck out. One of those that you kind of shake your head at, but beyond that, he was solid. And more importantly, the defense continues a trend where they just don't let shots get through at all. Yeah, I think early in the season, Dean Evison and the coaching staff made it an emphasis uh, for this hockey team to get back to who they were last year. They kind of came in and, and lost their identity, but a big part of that identity is is using their bodies to clog up lanes, to block shots. And I think these two goaltenders are also, you know, now having the time to build some chemistry with the players in front of them, learning how they defend. And that's a big part of that position. And I, you know, from talking to Philip Gustafson on the road trip and, and the conversation I had with him tonight, um, he's beaming with with uh, confidence right now because his game is elevated. And part of that is, I think, that process of playing in front of a new group of guys. And he's done that. And I think right now 
it's the best of both worlds for Dean Evison because these two guys are starting to feed off each other. I assume they'll split these final two games on the homestand. I'm guessing Marc-Andre Fleury will play Friday, but I don't know how you go away from Gustafson on Sunday. He's coming off a shutout and a one-goal performance tonight where I thought in critical moments there, especially in the third when the game was still in the balance, he made some big-time saves to kind of stabilize the momentum of this hockey game. Well, to stay on Gustafson a little bit, that was one of the question marks coming into the season. You didn't really know what to expect from him because he's a young guy. He hasn't had a lot of starts at the NHL level. It seems like Bill Guerin may have found something here. You see a really solid set of skills from Gustafson that is something that it looks like this team can build around if they're able to keep him around long term. I think you're absolutely right, Seth. And I think the irony of this whole thing is he plays a lot like Cam Talbot, and he's just a younger version. Cam Talbot's a terrific goalie, but he's at the end of his career. So now you've got this youngster that hasn't yet played a full 80 games in this league that's starting to figure things out, I think meshing really well with goaltending coach Freddie Shabbat and using his size to his advantage. They've really simplified his game. You look back to when he first came into training camp and some of the preseason games, and even early in the season when he was, I think, a little bit out of position and, and caught himself maybe a little too far back in the net, but he's modified things and he's found something right now. You don't win five games in a row in this league at that position without doing something big time. And he has found that game. And I think that bodes well for Minnesota because you know who Mark Andre Fleury is, but if this team was really going to get somewhere, be a playoff team and a factor beyond, they didn't want to play Mark Andre Fleury 60, 65 games. And now I don't think they're going to have to. Uh, we saw just, uh, just one of those goals that you you laugh at from Matt Zuccarello. He was on the ice and he shot it through. Um, he he shot it through a couple of different sets of Detroit legs to uh, net the goal, and that gives him ten on the season. Quietly, if that's even possible, he is right around an eighty-five to ninety point pace, and just continues to be just an unbelievable portion of that uh, that top line with Kaprizov. I think Wild fans forget that first year when the Wild locked him up. It was Paul Fenton at the time who was the general manager to that big deal. And that first year, he wasn't healthy. Now, he didn't talk about that. It wasn't well known, but he was not healthy. And he didn't look right. He didn't look good. And you're thinking, holy cow. Now you're thinking, how much more longer do we get to have this guy? He's such a creative hockey player. And and him and Kaprizov every single night do things that you're just like, I've never seen that before. Like that goal tonight, I have never seen a play like that where you can get that much velocity on a puck while you're being tripped and you're on your knees. He plays with a fishing pole of a stick. That thing's beyond long. (laughs) And he's got just those saucy hands where he can do things that most players never dream of even trying. We saw a goal from uh, Matt Dumba tonight, and, you know, it's it's been – an up-and-down season for Dumba, but as you've alluded to in the last couple of postcasts that we've done, really seems like he's starting to trend in an upward direction and starting to be able to contribute offensively, which is where he's at his best. You know, Matt Dumba, I think, puts a lot of pressure on himself on an everyday basis, so I'll start with that. I've known him for the better part of a decade, and I I love Matt Dumba. He's one of my all-time favorite players I've covered. Uh, And I'll say this, there's an awful lot of pressure on any player when you're in a contract year and you don't want to be dealt and you probably are going to be dealt. And so I think b- behind the scenes this season, um, he's had to really kind of put persevere through some of those emotions. And when he just gets out there and plays his game and plays a simple game, he's got all the talent in the world. And, you know, I think he's at his best when he's out there with Jonas Brodeen, their best friends off the ice. They've got chemistry. 
They get along so well. They play off each other. They've got a lot of miles together. And I think you're seeing some of that kind of play through right now with Matt Dumba's game, as you mentioned, certainly on the come. Minnesota Wild pick up a 4-1 to one win over the uh, Detroit Red Wings, and uh, they've got a game coming up on Friday against Chicago. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Dean Evison having potentially a couple of different options for the bottom six with some speed and some size. All of that coming up on today's Lockdown Wild postcast after a word from our sponsor, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Minnesota Wild pick up a 4-1 to win over the Detroit Red Wings. 16-11-2 now on the season, and the Wild have won seven of their last nine games. Our Lockdown Wild postcast continues. Seth Topol joined by Kevin Gorgon. Kevin, you're going to have games like this throughout the uh, second half of the season, the rest of the season, where you need to bring a little bit of a physical element. You're going to have games where you maybe need to have a little bit more speed in your bottom six. With the players coming back into the lineup and with the players already in it, it seems like Dean Evison's got options to do both. He certainly does. And Ryan Hartman's been practicing with the team. He'll skate again with the Wild tomorrow, and I would not be surprised if we see him either Friday or Sunday this weekend. I had a brief conversation with him outside the locker room here tonight, and he said he's feeling great and has really no ill effects. So that's good news. Uh, Brandon Duhame's probably right behind him, maybe a week behind him on that time frame. And so now you've got options, as you mentioned. Both guys have skill. Both guys play with grit, and both guys have speed. You can put them anywhere you want, top to bottom in this lineup. And I'm telling you, I'll guarantee you, the guys that are in that locker room right now that maybe aren't named Kaprizov, Boldy, and Zuccarello can see these guys coming. And so everybody kind of has to elevate their play. And I'm not saying a veteran like Ryan Reeves thinks about this stuff, but you can look at his 10 games, and he's been solid throughout. But this one stands out as by far his most impactful and I don't think it's a coincidence. You know, I mean, depth breeds competition. Competition elevates play. And I think right now, Dean Everson and the Wild are the benefactors of that, no question. The Chicago Blackhawks come to town on Friday, and I just had a chance to talk with the uh, the host of Locked on Blackhawks earlier today, actually. They've lost 18 of 21. They are reeling. They are struggling to score goals. And this is an opportunity for the Wild, I think, in this one to – put this game away early because you see what happens throughout the NHL when you allow a team that's kind of down on their luck to hang around. The game gets weird, and before you know it, you come up on the wrong end of an overtime loss or a shootout loss. Yeah, I think the Wild players should, I, I think, have it fresh in their mind. A couple weekends ago, there was a afternoon game against the Anaheim Ducks where they kind of slept walked through a game and probably should have lost that game. They were fortunate to come back at the end and push it to extra time and eventually get the victory. 
you can't have that against a team like Chicago. I mean, if you're looking big picture and you want to be a playoff team and maybe like last year at the end of the year, you want to be fighting for home ice, these are two points you have to have. And you can literally win that game in the first 20 minutes. If you come out and play structured, good sound defense and go out there, move your feet and use your skill, you'll be up two or three pucks after the first period and they'll go away. If you let them hang around like they did the Ducks a couple weeks ago, it's only going to compound the problem. And so, yeah, 82 games is a grind. I get it. These guys talk about it all the time. You're not always going to have your best stuff. But this is a game on Friday that matters. Those two points are huge. And you just can't let that team hang around. Well, and it's it's funny because, you know, from an outside perspective, people will look at what Kirill has done and say, you know, how can you guys – like he's had a couple of quiet games. What more do you want from him? But we see what he's able to do, and it just feels like against teams like Chicago, where they're at, you're going to see a, t- a two-goal game from him where he just absolutely takes over and just has one of those days again. He is that player, Seth. You hit the nail on the head. When he has a couple of quiet games, and if you're on that – schedule and you're coming to town you probably have to cringe a little bit because we just haven't seen prolonged stretches outside of starts of seasons where this guy hasn't been impactful on the score sheet so yeah there's no question he's going to have some open ice he's going to make some plays while they're probably going to get to go to the power play which is clicking it just short of 35 percent on home ice this season and so yeah i would expect a big night from from number number 97 and i think you know like i mentioned uh just a few minutes ago you know, the players like Dewar and Shaw and some of these guys that are playing great and have done nothing wrong know that Ryan Hartman's close, Duhame's close. They're going to be playing with some desperation too. So I'll be very curious if it is Friday night when we get to see Ryan Hartman again, uh, a guy that scored 30-plus goals last year, how Dean Everson plays this out because you're not going to play with an extra forward. I've seen in the past, you know, we've talked about it. They play with this, a seventh defenseman. That's cool. But you're not going to play – with an extra forward. So uh, there are going to be some big decisions, but they're fun decisions because right now the team's finally getting healthy. Well, and at a time when other teams in the division, as we talked about um, on Monday, at a time in which other teams are, are just reeling from injuries, the Wild are getting back to full health, and it seems like it's a perfect time for them to just go on a run here in December and give themselves a real cushion to get above the third spot in the Central and just kind of hold it from there. Yeah, we talked about it a couple nights ago that this is one of the softer parts of the schedule. That doesn't guarantee anything. This is a great league, and I'm telling you, well, the Anaheim game speaks to that. Every one of these teams towards the bottom has enough talent to beat anybody else, and there's parity throughout, and that's what Gary Bettman loves, and I think it's great for fans because when you walk in, you don't know who's going to win. But I will tell you that this is the part of the schedule right before Christmas where the Wild can go on a nice little run here. You've got a home game with Chicago a home game with Ottawa, you'll be a significant favorite Friday. You'll be a pretty good-sized favorite on Sunday. And I mentioned that trip out west. It's a quick one. You go to Anaheim and San Jose, and there's back-to-back with some some long travel. I get all of that. Uh, but this is a nice stretch of hockey where the Wild can bank some points and go into Christmas and that four-day break feeling pretty good about their position. And that first week of the season now will be an afterthought. Yeah, it, they've turned it around considerably since that point. And now 7 of 9 for the Minnesota Wild. 16-11-2, as mentioned, after a uh, gritty win against the Detroit Red Wings here tonight. They'll try to do it again on Friday against Chicago. That will wrap up tonight's Locked on Wild postcast. Kevin, thank you again for joining us here tonight to recap the action. We will do it again on Friday night after hopefully another Minnesota Wild win. Listeners, make sure you follow Locked on Wild everywhere you can so that you can stay up to date on all things Minnesota Wild as we've got new episodes, we've got pregame, we've got postgame for you 
all as part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network.